Welcome to the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling. You are about to discover impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you, so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Be sure you visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now tune in, get ready, and enjoy the journey of emerging as a leader of exception in the 21st century. Welcome everyone to the Find Your Leadership Confidence podcast. I am your host, Vicki Nettling, coming to you from Roswell, Georgia. The goal of this podcast is to empower women and business owners to be able to be confident leaders in their business as well as in life and take those businesses to the next level. Today, I'm happy to have Kim Hammer as my guest. Let me just tell you a little bit about Kim. On April 20 or April 16, 2009, Kim Hammer watched her 44-year-old husband take his last breath. During his illness and after his death, she was amazed at the helpful ways their coworkers, bosses, friends, family, all supported her and her family. Kim started calling their kind actions acts of love. After the death of her husband, Kim, an HR leader, noticed how little guidance leaders received when navigating cancer, health crises, or death on their team. She knew their lack of knowledge negatively affected morale, employee engagement, and productivity. She set out to change that, combining her personal experience with her professional knowledge and leadership skills. Kim launched her business to support leaders and coworkers when cancer or any health crisis affected the team. She is the author of 100 Acts of Love, a girlfriend's guide to loving your friend through cancer and loss. An easy to read book filled with 100 practical, quick and effective ways to support a friend or a coworker. Our theme for this episode is Three Keys for Managers in Supporting an Employee with Cancer. Please join me now in welcoming Kim Hammer. So nice to have you. Vicki, it's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, and whenever I read your bio, I was immediately intrigued because I have, through business, through life, have had to be supportive to people who have had people they lost, their uh, struggles through cancer, even my mom, whenever she was in her 40s, got th uh, mm. thyroid cancer, and we had to live with that, and all of the fun things that go along with it, and it does impact so many things. So before we get into the heavy stuff, I always like to start with an easy icebreaker kind of question. <laughs> Please tell our audience where you call home. Right now, actually, I call home two places, which is very interesting. Uh, I live in Los Angeles, California, 
And I grew up in Westport, Connecticut. And oh. recently I have been uh, spending a bit of time there. And it's funny because someone asked me the other day, where am I going? I'm heading back there in August. Someone said, where are you going? And I said, I'm going home. And they said, but I thought you lived here. And I thought, oh, so um, I don't have a second house there, but my mother does still live there. So I guess yeah. I do technically have a second house, but I call both those places home right now. I do the same thing. My family lives in Pittsburgh. And so when I'm there, I'm, I'm going home. And whenever I'm here, I'm. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. It's like home is where the heart is, right? Absolutely. So talk to us about why you are in this line of work. Sure. So um, like my bio said, my husband died at the age of 44 from cancer. And something I noticed while he was sick and after he died is some people really knew exactly what to do and other people didn't. We saw people step in and we saw people step out. And a few years after he died, I wanted to write a book that was focused on all those people who wanted to help but didn't know how. And I did it because honestly, I was one of those people. Before my husband had cancer, I said the wrong thing, not knowing it was the wrong mm. thing. I kept thinking, you know, cancer at work didn't really happen. Um, you know, so so I um, so I wrote the book and then I started to do some research. I also went back into the HR field and I started to do some research and a statistic, one of the statistics really stuck in my head. 46% mm. of those who get cancer are between the ages of 24 and 64. Mm. Those are prime working years, yeah. right? So my husband's experience, although I experienced it as a spouse, everyone in his work experiences as a coworker with cancer. And he was not the first coworker to deal with cancer. Yeah. So um, I, you know, in the HR field, I noticed the same thing would happen is that some, some HR teams and some managers stepped right in and really got in there and other HR teams and managers just kind of like, here's your FMLA. Good luck. Um, and what I realized is just, we don't train our managers to really walk that line. And it's a very thin line. We are often very afraid of getting more personal. Um, we often feel like if we're compassionate, we can't be productive. We feel like those two things don't go together. And what I do is I help managers really intertwine those two things so that they are not only taking care of the employee with cancer, but they're taking care of the team because cancer is an entanglement. It's like a rock mm -hmm. in a pond. It doesn't just yeah. affect one person. So they're taking yeah. care of the team and they're also taking care of themselves and their capability to run a team. Because when an employee has cancer, that doesn't mean your KPIs get canceled. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And it is so true that you really have to know your people to it. And, you know, it's something that you should understand before it happens, I guess. Yes. It's the best thing. I have a friend who didn't want to share the the things that she was going through, and and after we talked, I, it was like, but just having someone to talk to helps you get through this, and and you know that person who has cancer, just having someone to laugh to take their mind off of what they're going through is so important. Exactly. And, you know, there are so many reasons why people don't share their care, cancer diagnosis at work. 
Um, it can be that they're afraid they're going to lose their job. So they don't, they don't understand what laws are in place in the U S that protect them. Mm -hmm. They're afraid of the ramifications from their, from their manager. They're afraid of losing. I was working with a client whose manager was trying to be helpful Mm -hmm. and he took all of the fun projects off her plate. And so she was left doing things that she didn't really like doing. Mm -hmm. And she was saying how she regretted telling her, you know, her manager. So we, we ended up talking to the manager, um, (laughs) Um, so there's that. And also it's very overwhelming when people, when people come up with a diagnosis, you know, we all rush in, we all want to help. And there's two things we do. We say a statement, which I'll go over in just a second, which is just not helpful. And then we do this. We do, we see them in the hall and we're like, Oh, how are you? <laughs> and for those of you who can't see what I'm doing is I'm rubbing my arm, my shoulder, and my, my eyes are really big. And it's just, it's, it's like this expectation, although you really care when you say it, what you're asking is the, for, for the, what you're asking the person with cancer to do is to like, tell you their deepest, darkest secrets about how the treatment is going. And they don't want to discuss it all the time. And they don't want to be known as the employee with cancer. Yeah. They want to be known as Bob the employee who happens to have cancer right now, but is also in charge of this project, right? That's how they want to be known. Mm. So those are usually the most common reasons that employees don't share their, um, their diagnosis at work. And, and, you know, it's, it's not, it's, it's sometimes not a safe place. Um, I do want to share the one statement that you shouldn't say to anybody with cancer. And this is really the first of the three things I talk about. And the statement is don't say, if you need anything, let me know. And I know that people in the audience now are going, oh, crap. (laughs) I've said that every time. I've said that every time, right? And I was the exact same way. And even now (laughs) it's hard not to say. And there are three reasons it's not helpful. One, what is anything? Like in the moment we mean anything, but when my husband was first diagnosed with cancer, I had a four-year-old toddler. Did anything mean that you were going to go to preschool and pick him up in, 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 in all his snot-nosed feverish ways? Or did you mean that you were going to go out and get grab a gallon of milk when I needed it, right? So anything, did you mean that you mow the lawn once? Or did you mean that you take care of making sure that someone mowed the lawn for the next three months? Anything is too big. The second reason it's not helpful is you're asking the person in crisis to break down their day and then to find that one thing. And and if you think about last time someone said, hey, is there anything I can help you with? We sit and we think for a moment and we go, um... No, I think I'm good because we can't think of anything. I might think of it when I'm in the bathroom brushing my teeth, or I might think of it when I'm in my car, but in the moment, I can't think of it. So we're asking the person who's in crisis under great amounts of stress to come up with what, what, you know, to find that one thing, to break apart their day. And the third reason it's not helpful is because you're asking the person, let's just say that they do figure out what it is. Then you're asking her or him, to, to in their extremely vulnerable state mm-hmm. to ask you to do something that you may or may not have intended when you said anything. Yeah. And that's too risky. That's too mm-hmm. risky. There, they, no one wants to hear the, oh, um, okay. Um, do you need this today? Cause I, I can get to it next week. Nobody wants to hear that or mm-hmm. no one, no one wants to hear, Hey, I can't really do it. Or no one wants to hear that silence because yeah. they know that they promised they do anything. And now here's the, anything It's not what they wanted to do, but they did promise. So now they have to go do it. Nobody wants to be a part of that. So yeah. that's why it's the least helpful thing. The best thing you can do say is to be specific and offer more than once. 
And the reason I say offer more than once is because your, your coworker or friend or employee is dealing with some stuff that is taking their brain cells away from regular things. So they may not even remember that you offered. Mm -hmm. um, and at work, this can get a little tricky. Like, how do you help? So my first kind of my, the big thing is I talk about just touching base, touching base with the person who's dealing with this tragedy. It is not your job to fix it. It is not your job to make it better. You can't make it better. So to kind of work through that, that, that desire we have to get in there and just, hey, you can get through it and everything's <laughs> going to be fine and stay strong, right? But just to relax and sit and listen. And even if you don't have a good relationship with your employee, this is an incredible opportunity to build that relationship. And the employee, you know, you can sit down and say, hey, tell me what's going on if you feel comfortable. I want to help. We're not going to find solutions during this conversation so that they just know this isn't a, okay, we're going to go through A, B, we'll give, we'll give, you know, Joyce this, we'll give Janet that, we'll give Leroy this, you know, it, it's, it's not a fix it conversation. It's just, mm -hmm. it's just a conversation. Um, the second thing that I talk about, do you want me to go, keep going or do you have more yeah, questions? Go ahead. Oh, you're okay. answering all the questions I have. So <laughs> no worries. <laughs> I could talk about this topic all day. I, I can already see this is going to be a second video or podcast again. <laughs> um, the second, the second advice piece of advice I often give is for managers to check in with HR um, and to check in with the organization to see what the organization as on a whole can do. Some organizations will, um, will make it so that employees can donate their own sick time or, or their own time off. Um, other organizations will have, they'll put into place, you know, something like, you know, you get a hundred, um, well, these days, a hundred dollars isn't going to work it, but maybe $200, $200 Uber gift, uh, not Uber, uh, oh, yeah. a share lift, you know, share lift gift card so that the person doesn't have to worry about driving themselves to treatment and back um, mm -hmm. or maybe they're going to decide they're going to get them a meal uh, you know a meal prep preparation service will just come through and deliver meals once a week mm -hmm. um, they can they can hire a house you know house cleaner because everything else falls to pot they can right. put together you know they can put together money which is very as an hr leader i'm very like don't necessarily put together the money thing because it just gets kind of messy mm -hmm. um but that is something that organizations do but check in and figure out what your organization can and cannot do and then the third thing and make sure also you know the laws because there are specific laws about what you can and cannot say to an employee with cancer you cannot ask the employee tell me about your cancer and um also tell me about the treatment and everything else what you you know if they haven't revealed that information it is not yours to ask and also it's not yours to share which is sometimes mm. very difficult for a lot of managers what a manager can say is i know this is happening if if they've revealed to you um please let me know when you're going to be available to work and if you need a a, a um you know a, a different work schedule so that gives the employee the opportunity to say okay i'm going to have treatment on thursdays so i, can, I probably won't be in on friday thursdays or fridays right so that gives the employee the opportunity to say this is what i need so just make sure you've got all your boxes checked and your and the organization knows what they're doing and then the third thing is take care of your team and that is something that most managers skip because they figured they'll just kind of manage through it. Your team is a bunch of human beings and they are equally concerned about this employee and they want to help. And I think sometimes managers forget is that, you know, our teams are always watching us. They are always watching us. Are we walking the talk? 
or are we walking a whole, are we dancing to a whole different tune than what we say? And while you cannot reveal all the information to them, you can say, okay, this is what's happening. You know, we have this situation and we're going to need people to take on extra duties for X, Y, and Z amount of time. Um, and if you would like to help, and this is totally voluntary, if you'd like to help, we have set up this thing over here that you can help help this person with. Um, another thing that a manager can do is they can have the conversation with the employee about what, you know, the most important thing is what do you want me to share with the team and what do you not want them to say? Um, so I worked with a client and the client said, um, the employee said, I don't want anyone doing the, how are you big eyes? I don't want anyone asking specifically about how bad the cancer is. Like, will I live? Um, which is a question that surprisingly gets asked a lot. Um, like, what are your chances of survival? Um, and, and sometimes in that tone, um, and, um, and, and, you know, she said, she's happy. She said she was happy to receive meals. Um, but she also didn't want to talk about the cancer all the time. So that was a message that went out to the team. And then the team, you could, you know, the manager said, you could see the team just go from this level to like breathing again, because they knew how to interact with this employee, which is what they want. So make sure that you have conversations with your team, that you're, that you're talking to them on a regular basis about changes, um, and that you are taking that time to pay extra attention to people who are taking on extra work because there is nothing worse than taking on extra work and not being recognized for it um so those are sort of the three the what's me i'm putting up 10 fingers <laughs> um, so those are the three top there are plenty more but mm -hmm. you know take care of the employee and yourself Check in with your check in with HR and make sure you're following all the laws and your company to see what they're willing to how they're willing to support and help. And the third one is take care of your team. Awesome. You gave such great information. <laughs> Answered all my questions. We're going to go right to rapid fire because okay. we got to wrap this up and we definitely will have you back because I, I know I have a lot of other thoughts that we could ask it. Oh, and get from thank you. you. Side effects of cancer, what, what, I think you really kind of talked about this, side effects of cancer on a team. Yeah, so that's exactly it. I mean, I think people forget that one, um, cancer, keep, first of all, cancer is treated very many different ways, but no matter what, it's stressful. And so you yeah. will find the employee who has cancer or is being affected by cancer because their partner or child has cancer, they're not going to be showing up at work at the regular way that they did. That's the major side effect and is to really be conscious and aware and remind yourself, right, this person is not dealing with a full deck of cards. They're just not, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, so I think that's, that, that's the biggest thing. There is a thing called compassion um, fatigue, which is when a team feels like they have to be so compassionate, they take on so much stuff that they get really tired of it. And then that turns into resentment. And so yep. that's where you don't want a team to go. Yeah, you see that when you care for a loved one at home. Yes, yes. What's the best part of writing your book? Um... <laughs> I wrote my book writing 17 minutes a day ah. and I did it because I was so scared. I think a lot of women will relate to this. I was so scared of what I was writing and the potential of it that I could only manage the negative voices for 17 minutes. That is after, so true. 
after that, they were like, who are you to do this? Someone else is already writing this. They don't need this. You, you know, no one cares. It's not going to work. I mean, just all that stuff came in. So I could keep those voices at bay for 17 yeah. minutes. Um, so that was probably my favorite part of writing it. That's great advice. <laughs> and you already gave, I think, three of the five acts of love. Um, yeah, we talked about don't say anything, you know, please, you know, um, uh, I talked about being specific, mm -hmm. um, and I'll give another one. This is one of my favorite ones, a gas card. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> at California, six bucks. Oh my gosh. Gallon. Yeah. We're, we're at $6, sometimes $7 a gallon out here right now. Oh, I know it's going gosh. down, but you know, just sending a simple gas card in the mail or offering say, Hey, I'm going to swing by your house, pick up the car and fill it with gas. Yeah. It's these really simple things that happen day to day mm -hmm. that are really hard to take care of when you are dealing with cancer or health crisis. Yeah. So any simple thing. So I think that that's one of my favorite ones. Yeah, that's a good one. Importance of family support. Um, so this is a tricky question because some people don't have family support, yeah. um, and family, you know, I think sometimes we think that, oh, they have family, so everything's okay, <laughs> but family has their own issues and they yeah. say the wrong things all the time and they have their yeah. own expectations about what cancer is supposed to be like. So do not assume that someone has just because they have family and that they don't need the extra support offer to support the family. Um, I want to talk quickly about death. It happens in the workforce. People do not sometimes return from cancer, like in my case. Mm -hmm. And so one of the best things you can do um, as a team and as an organization is to help support the family through that really difficult time. And so what does that look like? That may look like everyone sending out a video mm -hmm. of um, their memories of the person at work. Yeah. That may look like at six months, you know, stopping by, you know, having them stop by the office and, and maybe doing a memorial service just so that person really knows that they're missed there. That may look like, self, like you know, honoring their one year anniversary and sending a card and telling them how much, you know, how much you still miss this person. So um, I think that those, those are all really, really important things. So family, don't always assume just because they have family around that they are well taken care of and that everything's okay. The last one is what would you like to be remembered for? I want to be remembered for reminding people how much they matter. I am not here because I'm really strong or courageous and I got through my husband's death. I am here, y'all, because of the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of little acts of love that people did for myself, my husband, and my kids. And every single time they did one of those things, it was like, okay one foot in front of the other. And then a lasagna would come and another foot in front of the other. Mm. And somebody would pick up the kids from school and another foot in front of the other. And my friend sat with me and opened condolence notes, another foot in front of the other. So, so what you do really matters. And it doesn't, you don't have to take care of meals for the next 20 years, yeah. right? That's sometimes what people think. It is the small, simple little acts of love that really matter. So that's what I'd like mm -hmm. to be remembered for the acts of love lady, the you matter lady. Yeah. I don't awesome. know. Awesome. Um, yeah. I'm going to go ahead and share my screen to uh, give your contact information and uh, free gifts. So those of you that are listening in, if you'll just please go and get a pencil paper that you can capture this information. 
For those of you who are listening, you can drop by 100actsoflove.com. That's the number 100. And go to 100actsoflove.com backslash what not to say. No capitals, no spaces, all one word. And there you will find um, uh, five phrases never to say and what to say instead. And I also explain why they're not helpful phrases because I think that's really important to know. Yeah. Um, Yep. Join me on LinkedIn. I um, took a little hiatus, but I'm going to start doing LinkedIn lives every Thursday. So if you have a particular question awesome. about your employee and dealing with it, please let me know. I will not mention your name, but I will talk and we'll, we can talk about it on that LinkedIn live. And yes, um, I always recommend people go and buy my book, of course. Of course. Uh, um, of course. <laughs> but you know, it is, it's, if you don't buy it for yourself, buy it for your friend who has cancer. A couple of friends of mine have done that. And what the person with cancer did was they went through and put sticky tabs on all the different tips on how to, nice. um, all the different tips that they wanted people to do. Um, I really want to make, make helping people easy. Um, mm-hmm. And so the book is really simple and easy to read. You open up a page, it says Act of Love 45, be her bathroom stalker, just make sure she has <laughs> toilet paper and tampons and toothpaste and all that other stuff in there. Um, but yeah, the point was to make this really accessible and easy because again, I want people to know how much they matter and how much showing up really, really matters. Awesome. She also has a podcast. It's um, out there. I think I've listed here. What's the name of your podcast? It's 100 Acts of Love. It's it's on hiatus. We're going to start a new season in September. Awesome. It is on hiatus right now, but yes, 100actsoflove.com where you can hear more tips and ideas. So be sure to follow her on the social media so that you can see exactly when she gets started with that podcast again. I want to just take a, a moment to thank you for being such a wonderful oh. guest. I have enjoyed it and I definitely do want to have you come back. I think we can, you know, talk a, a lot more about um, the the grief piece, you know, whenever we have situations where the the person does pass on because that's a whole whole other gambit of things it absolutely is it absolutely so in closing i want you to make sure you go to her linkedin make sure you check out her website and do get her book i'm sure it's on amazon as well but it uh, is get it from her website and it looks like linkedin too and as always i want to um have you remember that life is a journey and it is up to you to enjoy the ride This is Vicki Nettling signing off. Thank you for tuning into the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nettling, where we share impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Remember to visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast.